Hello and welcome. I'm Alexander. And I'm Simon. And we are still knee-deep in tech and, in my case, very, very tired. <laughs> Let, let's talk about trains. Le, oh, yes. Let's let's talk about them. This is the 13th episode, I might add, um, I think. Yep. Okay. So we've actually been doing this for 13 episodes. Yeah. About the same amount of episodes as weeks that my door is old today. Oh, dear. So trains, trains. Let's let's, yeah, talk about that and I, then drop it. I was supposed to leave Stockholm yesterday. I came home from Östersund where I taught two zero five three three, the Azure Infrastructure course. And I was supposed to leave Stockholm at twenty minutes past seven, but there was a bit of a fire. I might <laughs> say, just a small one that pretty much scrapped a lot of the. Um, high um, voltage lines south of Stockholm so pretty much nothing was running they managed to clear one track at around 10 10 30 but unfortunately there were no crew to be had anywhere so it took yet another hour before we actually started rolling then we came five kilometers and we stopped since they've only managed to clear one track and there was like a gazillion trains. Yep. So it took me, I wasn't home in bed until 3 a.m. this morning, which is seven and a half hours ago. So I'm a bit um, tired, but Simon offered me a triple shot uh, latte. I'm on fire. Yeah. You and the electronic cabinet that burned yesterday. Yeah. So, are we done with the train now? We're done with trains. Let's go to build. <laughs> you are done with trains. I for am real. done with trains, yes. I love trains. Okay. Moving on. While, doot, you, were st- while you were stuck at uh, Stockholm Central Station, I looked at the build keynotes. Yeah, I've, I've seen the um, Twitter flows. And holy cow, lots of interesting stuff. Yeah, first of all, three hours of keynote. Wow, that's impressive. <laughs> that's a serious <laughs> keynote. That's a serious keynote. Uh-huh. I. I, I, you guys who were in the room for three hours, kudos to you. <laughs> we salute you. Yes, we do. I, I really don't know where to start. First of all, you you have a, a new nickname, Schrödinger's data scientist. Did you notice? I noticed Schrödinger's data scientist, but I have no context. What was that about? <laughs> it was Microsoft developer. Yeah, they. Um, during the keynote, they mm-hmm. said something about it allows us to put a data scientist in a box. Oh. And it was picked up by MS Dev. Oh. So, yep, you're Schrodinger's data scientist. Okay. Uh, let's start with AI. AI. I've, I've heard about AI. Yeah, I've heard about it as well. Okay. Um, and for you, who are listening to this, you know that we certainly aren't developers, mm. but we understand the usage of this. And I believe that Microsoft did a great job of showing off what AI can do for us today. This is actually the, the first real application of AI that is not neither very difficult to understand or difficult to implement, I'd say. Yeah, and, and it gives a value instantly it has value definitely yeah so let i i believe that 
The thing I was most impressed about mm-hmm. was the video recognition stuff. Right. So basically, you are now able to, using existing webcams or surveillance cameras or whatever, capture that video stream, teach Azure what's in the pictures, mm-hmm. objects, persons, mm-hmm. and also kind of positions of objects and persons. Right. Both from a location perspective, but also as they showed off, uh, they had a jackhammer at one point standing upright towards oh. a bench. Right. Which, which is your, a safety violation. Yeah, it's a safety violation. Right. And they notified the person standing beside it to put it on the floor instead. Hmm. And they showed off this feature in healthcare, in um, industry. Industry. And I can think of so many other ways to use it. Yep. And they also later on showed how easy it was to train the AI. And in, in that demo, they did it with still images. Mm. But it's basically the same for moving pictures and sounds. But you do realize the, the, um, the dark side of this. Yeah, and, and I, I love that they actually talked about that as well. Mm-hmm. Because Satya said that we have to be cautious not to create our own 1984 using this technology. Which we basically just did. Yep, we did. We've, we've opened the lid of Pandora's box. Yeah. This can be done. That means it will be done. Yep. And I'm quite sure that Trump is already doing it. I was about to say something very mean now, and I won't do that. Oh, that's a first. <laughs> it was something about his intelligence or... Ah, moving on. Yep. So that's cool. And speaking of AI, Cortana. Yep. I want a Harmon Kardon invoke. Of course you do. It says Microsoft on it. (laughs) No, it doesn't. Oh, oh dear. It's running Linux. Uh, It doesn't have a Microsoft logo. It runs Cortana. That's That's probably the first thing in your house that doesn't bear a Microsoft logo, including your kid. Yeah. And your wife. No, I actually explained to my wife that, uh, as Yes Corden pointed out yesterday, Windows Phone will probably be dead after <laughs> this day's keynote. And I said to my wife that, yeah, and if at the point where I can't buy a Windows Phone, I will probably buy an iPhone. Good boy. And she was starstruck. She actually <laughs> laughed and like started to jump around in the sofa. <laughs> oh, you're buying an iPhone. You're buying that's an iPhone. No. For, that's something for YouTube. Yeah. I'll, I'll make sure to uh, <laughs> record it the next time. But I... It's starting to get really interesting because now Cortana can do so much stuff mm-hmm. and in a very like casual way, you, you can actually speak to Cortana as you would to a coworker or whatever. Yep. And they actually pointed out that Microsoft today actually beats humans in errors when having a discussion over a phone. So the voice recognition that Microsoft has developed is better than a human to understand human speech now. That is very interesting. Yeah. And this is this is pretty much a very hard nut to crack. Yeah. And they also said yesterday that 
we talk a lot about experience of a mobile device to have the same experience across devices. Mm-hmm. And Microsoft's thought on this is, regardless of the experience, you should always be able to communicate with devices and use the same kind of services across devices. Right. Enter Cortana. Right. Because then you can have one assistant and you can ask her, in this case, to do anything you like, regardless of what device or endpoint you actually have in front of you. Mm-hmm. And actually, I, as some of you may know, I'm now a PowerPoint guru, <laughs> or whatever my work title is. And I'll actually, during the summer, I guess, because I don't have the time at the moment, reinstall all my devices and ensure to enable Cortana on all, on all of them. Just a quick question there. Uh, the reason we haven't used Cortana in, in the um, the uh, time before this is that it wasn't available in Sweden. It, how, how do you actually get it to run? You have to put US or UK as your location okay, on the devices. Okay, that's still the, the issue. Yeah. Right, yeah. right. Okay. But most things work. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sure. Great. Anyways, and... Yes, yeah, some services aren't available mm-hmm. because we can't order stuff, for example, and we, we don't have that many integrations yet. yet. But like things like um, meetings, reminders, oh, yeah. GPS stuff works very well. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Yep. Did you also see um, the um, the new things with regards to Azure SQL database and uh, predictive tuning and, and tuning assistance using machine learning and uh, AI stuff. Yeah, they, they spoke a lot about databases yesterday. Yes, they did. So please explain, what's new? <laughs> start, <laughs> with, start with predictive maintenance of well, databases. The, the, uh, the usual opinion here is that, oops, something new is coming out, I'm going to lose my job. Kind of. And the uh, the knee-jerk reaction is always, I'm going to lose my job. And spending a few minutes thinking about it, it generally turns into, no, 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 no. You can't outsource this to your computer, so I'm, I'm safe. Yeah. In this case, <laughs> I just might lose my job. <laughs> no, seriously, this is, um, this is a spectacular example of how to properly use AI. They are watching a gazillion runtime plans in uh, Azure SQL Server. And with that amount of data and that amount of, of CPU power that Azure has. They have a few CPUs. They do. You can feed all this into a fairly clever AI and get very, very good ideas on how to improve your code in a way that it has never been able to do before. I mean, we've we've all seen the uh, different uh, tuning wizards. They are about as clever as a brick, (laughs) and they produce some, how should I put this, very interesting recommendations. But in this case, this might just be useful information. So I'm I'm very interested in this. Of course, um, no AI in the world can probably save your ass if you've made every mistake in the book. (laughs) So my work is probably still going to be fairly safe, at least for a while. But I think it's time to... You, to st- you still need to do the design. 
I still need to do the design and I still need to interface between the technology and the actual application. Yeah, and you need to ensure that the implementation of the solution is done in a correct way. Yes. To enable the services afterwards. Yeah. As, as I had a discussion with my students yesterday, it doesn't matter if your virtual machine has any uptime or not. It only matters if your application, your customer-facing application is up or not. Yep. The underlying infrastructure doesn't matter at all. Yep. So that's that's one of the things that I saw when I was sitting uh, fairly irritated in my seat at the train, <laughs> on the train. Right. So we, we discussed this earlier. Um, they, without saying it, they made a quite tough blow at Oracle yesterday. They did. So... First of all, SQL migration or database migration to different SQL solutions in Azure. Mm -hmm. Will it work? In a word, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm serious. There is no such thing as an automated um, conversion kit. I've been doing this for 20 years. It does not work yet. Can it be made to work? Yes, I think it can. But you need to come down to a fairly basic feature level for it to actually work on the first try. Will this help? Oh, yes. Tremendously. And is, is this enough for getting some of the fence sitters actually off said fence and into Azure? Yes, I think it is. It might just be the final push to get away from FN Oracle. Yeah. Uh, are there still licensing deals when you switch from Oracle to SQL from Microsoft side? Not that I know right now, but this is uh, most often a regional phenomenon. Yeah. So check with your Microsoft representative. There might be some kickback and there might be some money to be found. Yeah. There was uh, some fairly interesting incentives historically but uh, on the other hand they are I, I shouldn't say that they are secret in any way but they are not official either so nope. we can't say any numbers yeah so we got the migrations yep we have the predictive maintenance of databases we also have now mysql and postgresql yes as a service as a service and that's going to be huge it's, I mean, it's it's easy to say, oh, come to Azure. We're going to give you SQL Server. That's it. And a lot of stuff on the internet, in total webs, relies on PostgreSQL or MySQL. That's, that's the way it is. Yep. And taking your code and going from MySQL to SQL Server is not that easy. Yep. And PostgreSQL is way more like Oracle. So... It, it's going to be a while to convert. And it, seriously, I mean, going from MySQL to SQL Server, that's pretty much like shooting a, a gnat with a... With an shooting a what? Gnat. Gnat. Yeah, look it up. <laughs> with, with an artillery piece. So it's, you, you might not need it. So having these um, services available, it, it's going to be huge. It's going to be great. And then on top of this, you add Cosmos DB. Yep. Which pretty much floored everyone, I think. 
uh, hugely scalable, available, um, pretty fast database, which, mind you, is not a relational database. It's not a, um, it's not something you can implement and, and go and get away from from SQL Server with. No, but it's. Uh, it's document DB on steroids and steroids and steroids and even old Russian steroids. <laughs> Soviet. Soviet steroids. Yeah. Yes. And the cool thing about Cosmos DB for someone who doesn't understand two bits of databases like I do. No, he doesn't. No. Uh, I, the SLAs are quite interesting because currently... When we talk about SLAs, it's mostly uptime. It's uptime. But with Cosmos DB, you actually get SLAs for performance as well. Yeah. And data consistency. Yes, and the data consistency is pretty much what you set it to be. Yeah. Since you can have either um, eventual... What's it called? There, there are five levels. There, there are five levels, yes. The uh, Let's see here. I had this on a tab. Sing a song. Yeah, or, I, no, I, or don't. I, I think I. No, I, I won't sing. Uh, yeah, but and and that's eventual consistency. That's yeah. that's what it's called. And <laughs> this is this is pretty fun. This came into SQL Server. I can't remember if it was 2014 or 2016. I think it was 2016. Eventual concurrent. Uh, eventual. Um, Consistency. Yeah, and explain this. The main thing in a database is, or one of the main things, is consistency. You never, ever want to have a transaction that's half-baked. Yeah. Everything should always be consistent. And having something called eventual consistency <laughs> is, is completely insane if you talk to a DBA. That's, it's, uh, ev- it stands against everything we've been taught since the, the, the 60s. You just don't do that. If you want to have something else than consistency, then stay the heck away from my database. <laughs> but it has its uses for some things. And if you move beyond relational databases and the ACID test, uh, atomicity, concurrency, yada, yada, yeah. then you might not necessarily need super consistency at each and every point in time. Consistency costs. Yep. That's going to cost a lot of performance and a lot of time. And doing away with it and going to eventual consistency, it's going to speed things up tremendously. And for an end user, mm-hmm. because they, they spoke a lot about like web applications working with Cosmos DB. For an end user, what would this kind of consistency levels mean to an end user? That mean, that's a very difficult question to answer. Apply eventual consistency to a e-commerce solution. Yep. You just might end up with a whole container of stuff when you ordered one <laughs> bottle. Since you cannot be 100% sure that your transaction actually went through. Ah. So either you're going to get nothing or you get a container instead of yep. one bottle. That's a bad choice. Yeah, that, that's an extreme. Of it's, but it, 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 it makes sense. You sure. don't know if your order went through no and that's that's pretty much the uh, the the crux if you have something that you can live with you're not a hundred percent sure yeah then it might work or if you have a the the keyword here is eventual consistency not uh, maybe consistency 
So you just might have the uh, transaction actually saved, but it might not necessarily be consistent at this time. Yeah. That means that two persons can buy the same bottle of whiskey. Yeah. But they they both think they got it. Yeah. But since we're not 100% consistent at each and every moment in time, we might find that, mm, sorry, it was actually bought just yeah. 20 seconds ago. So that's one thing. So pretty much what you want to use it for. Uh, so what would you use it for? State. State. Uh, is one thing. State across a, um, a web service, yeah. perhaps. E-commerce, maybe not so much. Yeah. But on the other hand, since we are looking in more and more into um, a connected world, more and more into um, web services and stuff, it doesn't matter in the same way that everything is perfect. This would be a, a superb way of handling IoT stuff. Yeah. You might not necessarily have everything at hand at every given moment. Would there be any reason to use this if I run, for example, an e-commerce site only in the Nordics? Or is the main selling point that it's available across the world? I'd say that you should look at it the, from diametrically the, the opposite side. Yep. If you are running in the world, over the whole world, yep. then you might actually have less issues with eventual concurrency, since probably the Eskimos won't buy the same thing as the people from Malmö. Yep. That might be one option. So, yep. But the main thing is that this is one more option. Yep. Speaking of options, and I'm still at databases, since yep. this was great. Oh dear. Look here. We're in the wrong room today. Yes, and our colleagues are actually having fun. Can't have that. Managed instance. Yeah, what's that? That is the future, my friend. (laughs) Again. That's the. Soon. um, Oh, yeah. That's the the, uh, thing that lurks between the Azure SQL database and the IAS uh, of a SQL server on a, a VM. So this is pretty much a VM with a complete SQL Server, including the agent, including the common language runtime, for instance, yep. that has not been available in the SQL Azure database offering, can now be run without me having to touch the OS. Oh, that's So good. that's going to be a game changer, seriously a game changer for lift and shift scenarios. Yep. A lot of stuff are just too hard to get up in, in Azure. And come on, you don't want to put it on a, a VM. Yeah, so it's, it's the first step in a migration. Move it to something in between a POS solution and on-prem. Pretty much. Skip the IIS part. Exactly. You, when you did a lift and shift the, the, before yesterday, you had to just bang up a VM, put on SQL Server, and, and get your stuff in there. But now you can actually use the SQL managed instance instead. Yep. That's going to be very interesting, and I will blog the shit out of it yep. in, the, in the following weeks. Sounds good. Yep. Moving on. We had some... Should we talk about Office 365 or Azure Stack? Let's go for 365 this this time. Yeah. Okay. Not that many news, but they showed off what you are able to do when you integrate different solutions with, for example, Microsoft Teams. Okay. So now you have a Power BI 
um, what's the name of it? Ah, uh, forgot it. Power app? No, in, in Teams um, tab, a Power huh? BI tab in Teams. Wait, what? So you can have a Power BI dashboard in your team. Oh, hello. That that's great. It is. You have a LinkedIn tab. Damn, Teams is getting good. Shit. Yeah, they are gathering everything, and when you have Teams, you have bots. So they showed off bot integration with Teams where you can ask a bot to find a person on LinkedIn and connect through Teams, for example. And then you get all kinds of stuff with recording of meetings with the AI behind actually understanding when you make a decision and creating... (laughs) That's going to be interesting. And creating actions for the people that were assigned to a specific decision. So you can go back, you get an action point, follow up this task. You can then go back to the recording in the meeting you had and see when did you say this and what did you actually say. So this is actually a way for me to give my colleagues that are not in the meeting a lot of things to do that I, so I don't have to. Yeah. I and like and you it. also get a transcript from the meeting with real-time translation if you want. Let me see if I just got that clearly. You're going to get a transcript from a voice meeting? Yes. In your preferred language. Damn. And speaking about that, PowerPoint presentations with live translation. Oh, that's going to be interesting. They actually did a demo where the presenter presented something in Spanish. Spanish, okay. They had automatic translation to English and Chinese. Chinese? On an iPhone. On an iPhone. And you actually could speak back in Chinese from the iPhone and still got it in Spanish and English. Someone at Microsoft is having way too much fun. Yeah, so lots of stuff there. I believe we'll get more things today because today is the interesting keynote for me as a client guy. Mm. Windows and I guess Office as well. Right. With Joe Belfiore back, with Terry Myerson and all the other bells and whistles. I'm actually surprised that you haven't tattooed their um, signatures on your body yet. Yeah, I'm, I'm sa- I, I save my skin for other tattoos. Microsoft logos, penguins, and so on. And there we go. Yeah, so now, expectations for today's keynote. Hmm. Do you expect anything? <laughs> I expect to go home and sleep. <laughs> no, to, to be honest, uh, I've uh, unfortunately, I've been... A bit out of the loop. It's, it's so, okay. So please tell me what you think. What would you like to see in Windows? We have been waiting for many seconds now. I know. <laughs> That's going to go away. Yeah. No, you can't take it away because I just said we had been waiting for seconds. Hmm. So anyways, I expect to hear a lot about Windows and ARM. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Windows and ARM, nice. Yeah. Uh, I expect to hear a lot about Project Centennial, the desktop app bridge, because with Windows 10 S, that's 
something that's essential to get people to use it. So you can take a desktop app, convert it into a Windows app and publish it in the store. Ooh, that's hello. what they are doing with Office now. So the mobile right, Office right. apps are going away and are getting replaced by the real Office applications. Mm. And that's that's huge. It is. So Windows on ARM, Proto Centennial, Seashell, the Continuum Reverse. Seashell? Yeah. So you are actually, you will be able to, according to rumors, mm-hmm. to have a full desktop. Mm-hmm scale it down to fit a smaller device. Oh, nice. And again, in combination with Windows on ARM, where you can run x86 applications, that will probably be the new mobile OS, air quotes. That, that's going to be very interesting, especially with the rumor of um, the Trump administration morons, um, <laughs> perhaps uh, making... Um, they, they are banning They are laptops. thinking about banning. They are, they are thinking about banning laptops. It, on it's, and not website. only laptops, right? All large electronic equipment. So cameras as well, I guess? I don't know. I don't know. And, and Well, to be honest, they haven't made the decision no. yet. But it's, it's a rumor, and the rumor yeah. has a funny way of being at least partly true. Yeah. Okay. So we'll see. So I'm looking forward to that. And I think the big point they will be making today is what to do with UVP apps, Universal Windows Platform apps. Right. Because with Project Centennial, some of the benefits of UVP apps are going away and you probably will get some of the benefits in your regular app if you convert it. So what to do now? And one of the main selling points for UVP was that you can run it on your Surface Hub, your Surface, your Windows Phone, whatever. Mm, mm. But now when we'll probably get like one operating system, one Windows for real, yeah. the selling point of UVP apps will go away in a way because you will only have one OS. Yeah. So I, I just realized that if Project what was Centennial, Centennial, if that kicks off and works, yeah. we're going to have a lot of things to do with our Surface Hub. You'll get this year. Nice. And so on. Cool. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to today's keynote. When uh, is that keynote? Uh, I think it's 8.30 local time in Seattle. So Swedish time like 4.30 p.m. Oh, cool. Something like that. Just want um, have to tune in. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm doing some... Um, I'm doing my the tax for our whiskey society... <laughs> At that point. So we'll be watching it on the Surface Hub while doing it. Sounds about right. Yeah. Anything else you would like? We, we are running a bit over time. We are running over time. And let's just face it. This build has so far exceeded any and all expectations. Yeah. And if this continues, and if this is the way forward with, for instance, Ignite, yeah, I'm going to be very, very I'm happy that I will be going to Ignite. Yeah. And I, I, I'm sure that we'll get a new Windows release, a new Windows Server release, at least at Ignite. Oh, these are very interesting times to be alive. Yep, it is. Cool. And on that bombshell, it's time to end the show. And thank you very much for listening and tune in next week. Thank have you. A, have a good one.